0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Dragged Out. It's Joseph Shepard, your host. Now, today's episode, you may notice a little bit of an audio change, and that's because Cherry Valentine and I were having so much fun that I just so managed to hit the microphone cord, so probably about midway through the interview. The sound changes, but it's all good. It's such a great interview. Enjoy it, but I just wanted to give you a warning. I love you all. Thank you guys so much for listening, and here you go. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Exposed Drag Out. I'm Joseph Shepard, and each week we dive into some of the lives of those people who went home a little bit too early on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise Today, we're heading over the pond to the UK. We're talking season two, to be exact, with the red hot cherry valentine. How are you
1: doing? Hello, darling. I'm absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Of
0: course, you look so great. The hair is like already like visiting Jesus. You didn't die yet, but your hair is like trying to reach the top. The higher the hair, the higher the hair. Honestly, <laughs> all about big hair, big hair, like everything. Big. <laughs> now, I was doing some research on you, and, you know, it said that you were born and raised in Manchester. Do you remember a lot of your childhood? Well, I was actually born in Darlington, so that's in the oh, Northeast. Oh, well, you know what? We need to yell at the people on the internet.
1: Cherry was born in, in Manchester. Cherry was born in <laughs> Manchester, like, outside of drag, I was born in a little town called Darlington, and I do remember a lot of my childhood. A lot of it I don't like to remember. <laughs> really? Like a lot of queer people. Yeah, just, it was a difficult time growing up, do you know what I mean? I came from a community that didn't really accept me, and I just got away as soon as I could and discovered this whole new world, so...
0: Well, when you were growing up, like, what was it like um, with the process of, you know, coming out and being, you know, who you are as an individual and being part of, you know, the LGBT plus community? Like, was that a difficult thing to do? Like, when did you, like, say it out loud for the first time?
1: To be honest, I've never really said it out loud to my family. I mean, to myself, I've said it for as long as I can remember, but... I think just growing up different in a community that you know won't accept you is going to make you feel some type of way. Do you know what I mean? So it was incredibly difficult. I mean, I remember being as young as like five, six, and just knowing that I just wasn't about the straight life, wasn't who I was, who (laughs) I am. I just didn't identify with it, but I just didn't have anyone to tell that to. I didn't have anyone to talk to. So A drag, literally, like, it did save my life. Like, I discovered drag. My sister, my mother, all the women in my family are super, super fabulous, super camp, even though it's so, like, hush-hush being, like, camp. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the women are fabulous. So, growing up, I would just dip into all the clothes, dance around the house, all that stuff. And then, obviously, moving to Manchester, there was a whole explosion of, like, queer culture, and I just was so overwhelmed.
0: do you remember the first in-person drag show you saw?
1: It was probably in Newcastle. It was probably some really run-down queen. <laughs> but the one that I do remember, um, when I first moved to Manchester, I actually went out um, in drag, and I remember seeing Davina, Davina de Campo, performing. Mm-hmm. That was my first, like, real taste of, like, really over-the-top camp drag, because yeah. Davina was... Um, so that was my really, like, first experience in, like, a gay bar. Do you know what I mean?
0: Wow. And then, so your drag aesthetic and who you are, I know that you've talked about the cherry came from your cherry body wash. The Valentine is a holiday that you really enjoy and you really like. Yes, I did do my research, cherry. And when I was taking a shower this morning, that's all I was thinking about as I was washing myself because you had to say body wash. (laughs) When when did you decide that you wanted to do drag? How old were you?
1: I have been doing drag literally all my life. Like, <sighs> ever since I've remember. i been doing drag. And whether you want to call it drag or just getting dressed up and feeling fabulous, like, that's what I've been doing. And I just, when I moved to, like, near Manchester and started going to uni, I discovered that there was a whole drag scene and that you could do it mm-hmm. as a job. So I was like, how can these people feel so fabulous, get on stage and, like, make a living out of it. And I was like, I could do that. Why can't I do it? Like, so I did it. And that was only in, I think that was, like, the end of 2018. Okay. So from there, like, it's just been a complete whirlwind because from starting drag to, like, starting drag, it was literally, like, a year in between. And I, I went from working on the door doing, like, do you know when you give tickets out, when you come mm-hmm. in? Hey, everyone. And get a drink ready for the show. Yeah. I was doing, and then a year later, I was working six nights a week and I was on stage and I would go to like my nursing job through the day and then finish that and get in drag and jump on stage. And it was
0: fabulous. Did you sleep? No, you've got plenty of <laughs> time to sleep when you're dead. <laughs> no. You had a lot of fan questions that wanted to know about one aspect of your life. One viewer said, please ask her what it's like being a traveler or a Romani drag queen. This community is so underrepresented and still faces crazy racism in the UK. Many people don't even see them as a valid ethnic group. It would be amazing to see you ask that question with a non-judgmental spotlight. So I would love to hear about that because I think at the end of the day, I had no clue about this, but it was an extremely common question and people wanted to hear your story.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I grew up in a roman Gypsy community. I mean, we lived quite nomadically, like we lived all over the place. A lot of my family still do travel around in their tra- the caravans and like the wagons and go to horse fairs and all this stuff. But I've sort of like distanced myself from that community for a long time because being gay, queer, being different wasn't really accepted. Growing up, it was so black and white, like you were either a man or a woman. It was no in between. And we all obviously know that the world just isn't like that. The world is so colourful. The world is so diverse. And there's so many incredible diverse people out there. But it just really wasn't something that was really talked about. Um, so growing up in the community, was it was di- really difficult. And it's only now, because I've been doing a lot of projects recently, that I've really started to like, connect with that part of myself. Um, because I never even told anyone about it growing up. If I was out and about outside of the community I would never tell anyone that I was a gypsy because there was a lot of racism like people did call slurs and call names and you just were made not to feel welcome and that was all a feeling that I was used to anyway so I didn't want to feel doubly unwelcome do you know what I mean so you just build a really tough and you just get through it focus on the future.
0: Well, let me ask for those, like, you know, in the U.S. and that aren't in the U.K. or in different countries, what actually, like, is a traveler? What is a gypsy for those who may not necessarily know? So there's a lot of different types.
1: I mean, I come from a Romanian gypsy community, so a lot of my roots are from Romanian. Obviously, we've settled for 100, 200 years in this country now. Um, There is also, like, showmen, which is a group of people who travel around and do a lot of the fairs and things like that and there's you have know, your irish travelers who come from ireland and they travel travel around very like at the heart of it very just nomadic people with a very traditional thing so it's super traditional all about the family events um there's a lot of like traditional music and culture dependent on what like part you fall into Um, But it's, it's sort of like the sort of overarching thing is called like the GRT community. So it's Gypsy Roma Traveller Community. And it is very, very underrepresented. And yeah, there's always constantly something in the news or in Parliament over here about what rights we should have, which is madness to me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of traveling, while we get right into it, you in 2020 were announced as a contestant on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. And let me just tell you, when I was watching it, I, from the first episode, I thought you were going to be top four. I did not understand when you were in the bottom two. I was like, her looks are phenomenal. Her makeup is great. Her laugh is contagious. I think that they should have made like a whole episode of just your laughs, like <laughs> inner cut, because that was just bring so much joy. Where were you when you got that phone call to be on the second season?
1: I can't remember the exact location where I was, to be on it. I was probably at my house or, like, doing some errands or something, but I remember the phone call. I remember the, what was in it. It was one of the producers. And they rang and said, Hi, Cherry. And I was like, I owe who's this. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I'm <laughs> one of the head producers for RuPaul's Drag Race. And just, like, what well, you've got on the show. And I just screamed. I remember just screaming, because I was like, why is this a thing? Like, I literally... Because I always look at other queens and think, I don't feel like I'm that level. But now I'm like, yes, you always were that level. You are that level. Don't doubt yourself. But when I went on a race, it was a whole other world that I did not, I was not mentally prepared for. Do you know what I mean? Because it is a different world. It's a really crazy journey. And I mean, you've spoken to many a queen and Mm -hmm. heard all the stories, but it's just a really surreal experience. It really is.
0: yeah. And I mean, too, you guys also were doing it right at the start of the pandemic. And you being, you know, in mental health and like, you know, being a mental health nurse, did you start, were you called like at the first of the pandemic, right when it first started starting? Like, do you remember when it was like started picking up?
1: I mean, when we got the call, it was everything about coronavirus and stuff was sort of bubbling away on the news. Like it was reported in China and difficulties and it was just all popping up and no one, I don't think anyone really took it super seriously at that time, like in the public eye. Um, so obviously we went away to film for Drag Race and it was, I think it was the first three or four episodes and then that's when it stopped filming, like literally halfway through. I remember being in the hotel and one of the team, like the runners, would come on the door and be like, I think everyone's going to get locked down. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell's because we already feel locked down on the show. Yeah, And then obviously we all have to stop filming and obviously go home. And then it was like a case of going from one lockdown to another. And it was literally as fast as that.
0: That is crazy. And then when that time period happened where you had that about, you know, that big gap in between, did you end up going back to work? Yes,
1: yes. I remember I was came home and I was like literally home for two weeks. And I thought, there's literally a pandemic going on. Why am I sat at home and I'm a qualified nurse? Like, why would I not be working? I just I started working again I started working in emergency departments ICU and it was one of the toughest six months of my life because obviously we've got the whole pandemic we've got all this stuff happening everything's locked down no one can go anywhere and then I've also got the stress and the panic of like this whole drag race cloud looming over in oh my god like what's going to happen with this I have no idea so it was a lot it was a lot.
0: So when it comes to the actual drag aesthetic and what you see, how much would you say the UK is influenced by other countries' drag? Like, is RuPaul a big thing for you guys? Or is it like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, within the
1: drag community, of course, RuPaul's like a big thing because... It's literally one of the things that we, we want to do to further our careers, which has always been so mad to me. Like, when you think about it, as a drag queen as a, and as an artist, one of the high things that you can do in your career to start is reality TV. And I always find that really, really strange. Do you know what I mean? It's so weird. Yes. But obviously, it's what comes after that and what you do with your platform and where that takes you and stuff like that. But RuPaul is a big thing over here, but not as big as I think as a lot of other countries. And mm-hmm. the UK drag scene is... It's so diverse, like, Drag Race literally showed, like, has shown so far, even with the season pre-announcement, like, mm-hmm. has shown, like, a little percent of the drag culture in this country. It's just so incredibly diverse. And that's one of the main words that I
0: can think to describe it. Yeah. That's, and it's so interesting, because I think the one thing that, like, set the UK apart is that... I love watching and seeing what type of drag that you guys are going to put out there because now we've gotten into this heyday in the U.S. to where, oh, they saw everybody the past two seasons and now their makeup's going to look identical to them and they're going to get the same outfits from the same designers. And you're like, oh, like I want something new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you gave a lot of new. I love the like your promo look with the red contacts in your eyes, like that was beautiful. Did you spend a lot on your package, on your outfits and everything? To be honest, no. I didn't I literally
1: made 95% of my outfits myself with two of my drag sisters for the show. Because I was working at the time and I thought, it's UK drag. Let's just be super creative and super yeah. out there. Let's do some concept. Um, so we literally made everything ourselves between like three of us. Yeah, then the promo looked like I loved it. It's one of my favorite dresses that I've ever like worn. But I like, I designed the whole thing and I thought, I want to do this like whole spooky, demonic vibe because that's literally yeah. my vibe. I like dab, I like gritty, you know what I mean? But still super polished. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you a horror nerd? Like, do you like horror movies? I love horror movies. I love
1: them. Because they just make you feel some type of way.
0: Do you know what I mean?
1: I love that feeling of being terrified. Is that weird?
0: (laughs) No, no, because that is the same for me. Like, and that's, it's a very funny thing that you said that and you love being terrified. I don't mind watching like a horror movie and being terrified. Like that anxiety is good anxiety to me. The bad anxiety for me is like watching like those joke videos on tiktok or something that are so uncomfortable or like somebody speaking and they don't know what they're talking about that scares me more than a horror movie
1: yes absolutely because i think (laughs) you can sort of see behind it you can sort of see past the illusion of it all like it's just a movie like what does scare me though on horror movies is where it says inspired by true events i'm like yes
0: i'm always like which event was true like which which one (laughs) yeah Do you have a favorite scary movie? Is there like one that's like your all time? You can watch it anytime. I just I watch new
1: ones all the time, um, but I do like things like the Con- I like the th- like the Conjuring, Insidious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Saw, not because yes. of the gore. I mean, I love gore; it's fabulous. But I just think the creativity, the creativity of these people to like design these things, like and yes. think of this stuff. It's amazing.
0: It's amazing. That's like the Saw aspect, like. That's my addiction with escape rooms. I love being a white person trapped in a room and trying to get out. I don't know what it is, but it makes it makes my life. I'm like, do it again. Where are we going now? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's nice to, like,
1: make yourself feel
0: somewhat. So I have another fan question for you. Um... They said, I want to hear your creative process behind your looks. Your monster mashup still has me gooped to this day. What is the creative process that goes into your looks since you do make them?
1: To be honest, I don't really have a creative process. I mean, I don't think I okay. do. I just, I sort of like, if it's a theme, like the monster mashup, for example, it was monster mashups. So I thought, I love aliens. I love horror movies. So I went for a, a dead alien. Do you know what I mean? And that was it. And then I li- <laughs> yeah. I sat down and thought, how can I bring this to life? And then I just sat randomly sketching. I look around my room, see what I have, go on Amazon and order a million things. And then <laughs> yeah, and then when everything comes, I just I sort of put my mannequin in the middle of the room and put like the music on, whatever the vibe is. And for that, I remember listening to like, a lot of Billie Eilish. And oh. I just put the mannequin in the middle of the room, and I was just I just went crazy, just went crazy, with wow. it. had fun. That's what it's about. It's yeah. fun and just get out. Do you know what I mean? Like, getting it out. Drag for me is literally like a form of therapy. Do you know what I mean? I think being creative is my way of, like, getting out what I'm feeling.
0: And that's, like, the coolest thing about it. Like, anytime you have that creative drive and just being able to push that out, like, I'm sure you've probably had the days where you're extremely mad, pissed off, angry, and you put that into your work and it ends up being a diamond, you know?
1: Yeah, the best things honestly happen when you're at the height of an emotion, whatever that emotion is.
0: Reviews, they are everything, whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare ratings matter even more and that's where zocdoc comes in zocdoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients so you can find and book highly rated local doctors it has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where i'm going to go before i actually go there because i normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before i ended up using zocdoc so Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialists, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That zocdoc.com/exposed. Zocdoc makes healthcare easy. You are doing the second episode of Drag Race UK season 2. It is the Cats Rats musical and you somehow end up in the bottom two. I would like to ask you, did you think that you were going to be in the bottom? When I was there in the moment, yes. I sort of knew.
1: I think you just know sometimes these things, how it works. But watching the TV show, no, I didn't think I would have been in the bottom. And like my own performance of how I felt, like how I personally felt is that I didn't deserve to be there. But it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah. Would you say that the experience afterwards and seeing yourself on tv was that exciting at all did you learn anything from yourself by watching yourself on tv Mm, i was actually
1: i was i was so terrified like i was really scared really scared because obviously when we filmed it and then it was that whole six month pandemic craziness of the world period and then went back into it and i was like i feel a lot better now i feel a lot different because we all obviously got invited back and then the queens voted for who would come back in and all um, but watching myself on TV I felt like I shouldn't care As much anymore I really did I cared too much you know.
0: Well when you say that you cared too much What aspect do you think You cared too much about I think I just cared too much about What other people thought of me
1: And I think that comes from Like a deep place mm-hmm. and I think a lot of queer people Compare themselves to other people and why do we do it? Because we're all striving for perfection. And then actually going on Drag Race, I realized no one's perfect. And I'm certainly not perfect. Embrace it. Embrace your differences because it's what makes you beautiful. It really is. Exactly. I just, yeah, I just feel like I took myself too seriously and I cared too much what other people thought of me. And I really did when I left on episode two. I, ha- I was stood there talking to Rue and like Michelle and the judges for ages. And I was just like... Thank you for this opportunity because you've really made me feel like I shouldn't care as much. And I pointed to room and was like, I can't remember what I said, but it was aired. some about not caring what other, about other people thought of me. Uh huh. Because in that moment, I was like, why have I cared so much? What other people think about me? Like, I don't. Why do you let that affect your life? Keep the people close to you.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's the thing that's just so sad about our community and our culture is that while we want to accept everybody and you know, be a welcoming community. Our mental state is so fucked in the head that we never necessarily, or it took me literally probably until the past six months, until this pandemic actually, to realize that I shouldn't necessarily always give a shit about what somebody else thinks or says or does. Like I should be living my life as me, not what other people want to see from me. Exactly. And I think the pandemic's done that for a lot of
1: people. It's allowed us that time to, like, really come back in and reflect on ourselves. I think we all needed it. Yeah, we, 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 we really needed, all needed a it.
0: good reset, like, because it, it also, like, that sounds really bad, but it also, like, showed you who your true friends were, or your true family was, or the people that you can rely on or can count on, because, you know, we're all going through a really crappy situation. Definitely definitely
1: without a doubt and i just feel like it just allowed people to realize like you just surround yourself with people who are on the same energy field as you like who like can match your energy and just like really uplift each other because even though some people do drain your energy it doesn't mean they're going to drain everyone's energy it's just they're not right fit for you and i think that's really important
0: i like that just because somebody drain jordan yeah uh, that's a good way of saying that what would you say is the best thing to come off of your experience on drag race?
1: Without a doubt, meeting the people who I've met since without a doubt. And I find it hard to talk about things because you're not allowed to talk about everything all the yeah. time. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on so many, so many really, really cool things, like like so many deep things. And some of the people I've met on the journey since Drag Race has really honestly changed my life. And that is without a doubt the highest point for me. Drag is fabulous and I'll always do drag, regardless whether I'm in the public eye or whether I'm not in the public eye. It's something that I want to do and it's what makes me happy. So I don't really mind stuff like that. It's about connection. Do you know what I mean? For me. And I've made so many really good connections since.
0: That's honestly amazing. And that's honestly the great thing about this industry is that like, if you're thriving as your individual self, those people are going to be drawn to you. And I think that that's a great thing about your personality as an individual from what I've seen on television and from watching your YouTube and, you know, looking into you is that you honestly are just a very caring person who gives off this radiant energy. And I think, like I said, it's your laugh. Your laugh just brings everybody in literally there were probably 15 comments of all these people saying, please just make her laugh. We just want to hear oh, her laugh.
1: It's, honestly, it's one of the things that, oh, I'm sick of it, to be honest. I, do you know, everyone just, every, every time I meet anyone in the street, like I've literally been pulled over in the street and been like, make me laugh. Say no. something funny. Like, I want to hear you laugh. It didn't work like that. It happens <laughs> 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 so much. Uh, so much.
0: What about the worst thing to come from um, being on Drag Race? Like, did you see anything negative, like, in your workplace? Because, you know, you still were, like, going to work during corona. Did anybody treat you differently? Like, did anything negative come out of it?
1: Do you know what? I, I don't think so. No. The lessons that I learned during Drag Race were already things that I was sort of aware of. Do you know what I mean? Like, how the people are very, very different. I mean, before I went on Drag Race, I'd literally been doing therapy with people for years like i get people like i understand like i love talking to people and i love having conversations and like i know everyone's different and everyone has different viewpoints and like in somewhere like drag race i went into it knowing like not everyone's going to really care about you they're just going to care about making a show and they come to life and that's fine so i don't think i got anything negative from it no i just became more aware
0: that is incredible because like i think watching yourself back or seeing who you are or having the whole just like that whole process from talking to so many queens it seems like you guys go on such a mental journey and it can either do one of two things it can either put you deeper in the hole or it can pick you up out of the hole so i'm glad that you at least got picked up out of the hole
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, like that whole period in between filming and it coming out. I was in a dark hole. I was in a deep, dark hole. But it's just you just have to, like, really power through and know that things are not always going to feel like that. Do you know what I mean? Uh,
0: Your, Which is
1: easier said than done sometimes.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's easier said than done. I just can't imagine waiting. Also, I can't imagine a seven month period. And then you come back because they enticed you guys to come back because Veronica Green was sick. And then you come back. Did you feel sad or disappointed when the votes did not go in your favor? To be honest, part
1: of me was a little bit sad at first. But then I just thought to myself, like, you get told what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? So I just went in, like, thinking, I know how this is going to go. And I'm prepared for that. So let me just say my piece. And then I felt like, I honestly felt like a weight had been lifted after that. Like, even though I didn't get in, I felt like I'd just won something, which sounds so cheesy and so like, it's so pageanty to say, but I did just felt like I'd had this amazing experience and I could like close that chapter and move on to the next thing Mm -hmm. now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And did you know any of them before going onto the show?
1: Um, To be honest, I didn't really know many of them. I'd heard of a couple of them. Like I'd heard of Joe, I'd heard of Ginny. 'Cause we worked in similar scenes, but I hadn't really heard of anyone else. Other than like the odd person off Instagram. I mean, me and Hora had spoken ages ago just because we'd touched base before. We thought we were quite fabulous each other, so we just started chatting on Instagram. This was years ago. Um, but other than that, I didn't really didn't really know anyone. But now, like, I, I literally they are like my sisters, like I love them and yeah. That's okay. Which is so like it's so cheesy. <laughs>
0: Um, so you end up getting off the show and one thing that I ask every person recently that's come through is because this show is called Exposed, to expose something that happened behind the scenes of the show, which it could be something fun, funny, crazy, a heart-to-heart moment you had with somebody that wasn't seen. I had a girl tell me that she put her dress on the mirror stand and the dress basically turned into a fire. And so they had to, like, shut down production. Like, was there any moment that didn't get shown that you wish would have?
1: I don't know. Was there any moments I wish it got shown that hadn't? Probably just the confessionals. Because me and the person who was doing the confessionals, we had such a scream. Like, it was (laughs) hilarious. You know what I mean? It was just really funny and... I remember, like, we'd sit there and, like, playfully read all the girls and just, like, it was really fabulous. But obviously, you can only cut down so much and yeah. whatever goes in, and fits a story or whatever. Um, but other than that, there was loads of things that happened, but I don't want to get sued. So Yeah, I'm we can't, we can't <laughs> have
0: that. But, I mean, you and the confessionals, I'm sure the reason why we didn't see them all is because you thought probably thought that you were talking a lot, but it was just actually all laughter. What? <laughs> <laughs> it probably was i mean yeah you just say some
1: random things in those moments but it's funny.
0: <laughs> i would love to know how it has been afterwards like after you got off drag race are you still working your you know regular job are you doing drag full-time are you still splitting like what is the capacity of what's been happening afterwards
1: to be honest it's been super super like hectic
0: chaotic
1: but like a good chaotic i always had a really weird relationship with social media so i before drag race i would just like post things because i was feeling it now i'm now you're constantly thinking like what am i posting yeah i mean which is really stupid because it's your social media but so i try trying to stay away from the whole social media world that's why i've been really involving myself in loads of like projects behind the scenes but I uh, yeah it's just been really chaotic I mean after I'd finished and as the show was still airing I was working at a vaccination centre and I was doing it until I stopped working at the vaccine centre like a month ago just over a month ago because I moved to London and yeah you just go through some weird things in your life do you know what I mean you go through some strange things I mean I was in like for years and years and years I was together with someone for eight years and then I thought this isn't right and you just know, do you know what I mean? You just know. So yeah, so I moved to London and now drag's just really taken on its own life. And I've just started a company, like a touring company in the UK. So that's a whole different thing as well. I'm just trying to keep busy. I love to stay busy.
0: That's crazy though. So, so basically what you're saying is that you moved to London, you're now single, you're no longer in this eight year relationship. You're doing drag mostly now. You have your touring company. So basically, you just split the new chapter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Completely different chapter.
1: Yeah, I just think I was having like a really transitional period and we all go through them. And I think it's really important to self-reflect in those moments and think, where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? And who do I want to be? And that's questions I ask myself all the time. And I mean, I used to think mindfulness was like bullshit, to be honest. I didn't believe in it. But now I do it every day because you have to be so mindful. In this day and age. Yeah. That's why
0: it went, (laughs) my therapist, I had him for like a year and he would always say, you need to practice mindfulness. You need to practice mindfulness. I just thought it was a word that he made up and I was like, okay, will do. And then go to figure out it actually is something. And I didn't realize it until just recently. I was like, well... Screw me. It means something.
1: And it doesn't have to be an overly complicated thing. Do you know what I mean? It's just about taking that time. Like, even if it's five minutes a day to just sit and think, how am I feeling today? What do I want to do? How do I want to present myself to the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so important. Self-reflect.
0: So... People do want to know about this touring company that you started. What made you want to start that? And was it more of a personal goal or was it more of like you had experienced some negative things from, you know, other touring companies? Like what made you really want to do that?
1: To be honest with you, it's always been like, I'm such like a businesswoman at heart. Like I love business, but I don't like how a lot of acts are treated. And I feel like a lot of these touring companies, not all of them, but a lot of touring companies and a lot of people who put on shows or employ drag artists do only care about money. Do you know what I mean? And
0: Well, we kind of saw that recently, right? With Was it last weekend with you guys?
1: Yeah, and things like that happen all of the time. I'm happy talking about these things openly because I would genuinely have these one-to-one conversations with people if they asked. But I just think... Drag is such an incredible art form. Why are we not honing in on that and really pushing it as far as it can go? Do you know what I mean? Especially in terms of these touring things. Like I've been on many tours and I've been I've done many shows, and some of them have been amazing. But the ones that haven't been amazing, I've remembered more. And that shouldn't be the case. No, they should all be amazing. They should all be an experience. You should meet people who support what you do, and that's why, like, I'm doing this business and like we're doing profit shares, like the more people promote and the more people want to get involved, the more money you make. Because if you want to make money, you can make more money. Like it's not about the money for me. I don't do it for the money. I literally do it because I love it. And that's the whole reason. It's hard work. I'm passionate about it. So why would you not?
0: But I, I love that you're doing that and you have been on the other side of it. And I think that that is a humongous thing because When I was seeing all the drag fest stuff this past whatever week or two weeks, I was just honestly shocked because I was like, I'm not a drag queen. I'm not to their level or caliber at all. However, when it comes to like, if a company or brand were to have done that to me, I would have been like, screw this and tell all my friends. So it was very intriguing to see the treatment of the queens and of you guys, because I was like, what? What is going on? Like, what is the point? These people, like, you can't not communicate with people or book things that you, they didn't agree to or this and that just because you do want to make a quick profit. And I think that hopefully that's what they saw because, like you said, I would rather go and see a big convention or a big show. I care more about the quality than the quantity. Like, don't just stuff people in a room because you're killing the vibe and the experience of everybody else. Like, so I'm I'm very, very happy that you have decided to do that and decided to kind of step up because that speaks a lot to you and you having the insider knowledge on what queens need and don't need and all of that. And that's very helpful as opposed to somebody who's trying to profit.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, I know what it's like. I remember when I first started doing gigs and I was getting like 30 pounds a night to work like an eight hour shift in drag. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's completely horrendous do you know what i mean i just like like it's a job people do it for a living because they love it and people come to support it because it's it's fabulous mm-hmm. but at the heart of it like we do it because we love it not for the money yeah. And obviously we need the money to live but i just want people to feel like appreciated mm-hmm. and it's all about the communication that's that is where a lot of people go wrong because they just don't talk to people mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and it's such a simple thing to do
0: <laughs> yeah and it's also like what I will say too, is that I always feel that when I go to even like local drag shows or if I'm sitting at my local club and there are local queens coming out and they're performing for a big group of people who probably are here because of a drag race franchise They're not all gay people, they're probably like, you know, mixes. And then the queen will lay out their heart and people are taking pictures and everything, but nobody's tipping. And I'm always like, No, I have my dollar bills ready. We need to go. These girls are doing (laughs) work. If you take a picture, you give a dollar. Like, you you can't be, you know, like, they're not there just to, you know, be an enjoyment factor. And, you know, a lot of you guys, when you guys go to these clubs and these gigs, aren't getting paid what you should be getting paid. But it's the exposure that you're happy to have. But you also... If you're coming to see,
1: I hate that. Like I hate that thing where people say, "Oh, it's not paid," but think of the exposure. Like, ex- what? <laughs> it's stupid. I hate. It. And I think the whole landscape of drag gigs has changed mm-hmm. so much. Especially, it's like drag race becomes such a huge thing. More and more people outside of like the LGBT communities. Uh, involving themselves in drag and going to these shows like even in the past couple of years when events have been on the shows that even i've done like it's just it becomes more like you see a lot more hen parties and like straight women like it's just changed the whole landscape so it's nice sometimes to reflect on that and really tap into where it came from yeah
0: and i think the thing about like all of those parties and things like years ago when i would go see a drag show and i would see like the girls coming, you know, for their bachelorette party or whatever, I would always get so angry. I would be like, this is my place and I'm here and you guys are here and you're ruining it. But now I've gotten to the point where like, I see it's a great thing that these people are seeing drag that we enjoyed for the longest time. And now these are straight people and that will lead to more acceptance of our community. They just need to be sure to, be good and not touch drag queens or strippers and pay them and be good. And then we'll be good.
1: Yeah. And it's just about, it's about respect and understanding where you are and like just where it's come from, the art of it. It's one thing going to a bar and seeing like a fabulous drag queen and just being like, yes, you look sickening. But like, remember there's a person there and they're doing it to feel some type of way, to give off this energy, to get people like involved and lifted up. Like it's, there's so much to it. And I think, especially now, like, it's amazing that it's becoming more accessible to, like, straight people, people outside of queer communities. But if we really want to make some change, we do need to target people who aren't in the community sometimes. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Another very popular question was, would you ever compete in Dragula?
1: Do you know, so many people ask me this. (laughs) I... I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'd have to see how I felt and see what was going on at the time. But the only thing that puts me off Dracula is the Termination Challenges. Have you watched Dracula? Yeah.
0: There are some that are so unbearable. I'm like...
1: Yeah, like, I don't think I could sit there in full drag and eat pig guts. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could do that. But I just like having a spooky, creepy aesthetic. It doesn't mean, like, I always want to
0: Yeah. Do, like... Consume,
1: you don't want to do. Definitely. You don't want to live a horror movie. You just want to enjoy the horror movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there are parts of that I love. I mean, my favorite part about Dragula is the whole like when they do the floor shows. Yeah, I love that. That's what It's literally bringing your art to life. And when I was going to do on Drag Race. I- the alien thing that i was going to do for the monster mashup i was literally planning to do a whole floor show oh. like i had a bucket of slime with me in my. School. oh my but god it's when you bring things to life like make a costume 3d there was like pus pumping through the tubes and it was going to spray all over the judges and i was going to go crazy Ah!
0: Oh. Oh, it is what it is well you know what <laughs> they knew that that's what you were going to do so they sent you home second that's why They said, she's about to destroy this stage with slime. Done, Cherry Valentine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What would you say is the biggest misconception of you?
1: I don't know. I think people can misconceive things about everyone. Um, I would say people sometimes think I'm a little bit of a bitch. Really? Yeah, like if they haven't met me. um, I used to get it all the time when I was working in the clubs. Maybe just because I was like... I don't know, like in drag, but people just say, oh my God, I thought you were going to be such a bitch, but you're really nice. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what you did too. You said, thank you. And then you had a laugh. It's exactly what you told them, right? Yeah, I was just like, thank you. I don't know what you want me to say to that. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) You should have looked at him and been like, you were right, fuck you. Never, never. <laughs> I could sometimes. <laughs> what is next for you? What do you have coming down the pipeline this year? I know that you have put out some music the past month. Is that a full trajectory that you're going to go into? Like, what is coming up for Miss Cherry Valentine? To be honest, I just want
1: to do everything. I want to really explore everything. I want to try a bit of everything. I'd love to act in movies. Yes. I'd love to do books tv show like all this stuff and i've got so many plans for things and things in the pipelines but it's just things take time don't they you know Mm -hmm. entertainment this is showbiz you know what it's like but i'm just taking the time because there's no rush Mm -hmm. i'm not about rushing like and everyone like like a lot of people i'm not going to name names but a lot of queens were like oh enjoy the year because it's going to be the best year of your life and after that it gets a bit quiet but I don't actually mind if it gets quiet. Maybe then I can focus on more stuff. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I I just want to be able to do everything. And I think there's no one in charge of that apart from yourself.
0: Exactly. And I will tell you the biggest thing that has helped me and that journey for myself has been if there's something that I really want to do. I know in my head that I can take a lot longer to get that accomplished so normally I'll take the most important thing to me that I really want to accomplish in this year. And I put like a post-it note, like on my computer desk. So then every fricking day I see that thing because like my mind and how I am, I'll believe that I came up with the idea last night, but it's actually from four years ago. Like, I'm like, uh-uh. I forget it all. I love that.
1: I love that. <laughs> <laughs> i love that and if it works for you it works for you
0: (laughs) you have to and i think the thing that though that sucks about getting older is that i realize like how bad i am in certain situations like how like some things how old are you i just turned 30 So, like... And that's not old. No, it's not We've just all got this figure. But but there's just these parts and these features now that I start realizing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I am so temperamental right now. Like, just being more in tune with yourself, it's, like, the craziest thing in the world. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Like, I forget my keys now. I'm like, what am I? I'm not an old person. Like, why am I forgetting my keys everywhere? I, like... I literally had my AirPods and I couldn't find them and they were in the garbage can. Why were my AirPods in the garbage can? I don't know.
1: No, just let it be. Everything happens for a reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've talked about, you know, your dreams and kind of like where you are open to doing so many things coming up and that you don't want to kind of set a limit. Is there anything that you would love to accomplish in the next five years?
1: To be honest, I've been working on something recently, which was one of the goals that I've always wanted to do. Um, And that'll be, like, out and about later on, like, towards the end of the year. And I just want to be happy. I know it sounds cliche, but I just want to be able to... I just just want to be happy, and I want to be able to achieve the things that I want to do in that moment. So, like, this time next year, I might want to write a book, so I want to have the ability to be able to do that, and I'll make it happen if it's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It really is about mindset. And it's difficult to get to a place where you can be like, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to get there. But it's possible and we can all do it. We really can all do it.
0: I love that. My last question for you, Miss Cherry, before I let you go is, what is a saying or words of wisdom that you have for our beautiful LGBTQIA plus community?
1: Words of wisdom. I don't know if I've got any words of wisdom. (laughs) But maybe just don't take yourself too seriously. Self-acceptance is a really big journey. And we go through life sometimes feeling like the whole world's against us. But you are valid. And whatever you choose to do, whatever road you are down, you are you. You are beautiful. You are special. Like, it really is the message. It's all about energy. If you give off good energy, good energy will come to you. So just just be nice. Do you know what I mean? Don't be a dick.
0: <laughs> be nice and laugh away. <laughs> yes exactly um thank you so much cherry valentine for being with me across the pond i absolutely love you um thank you so much for sharing your story and more about you where can people find you on the social medias
1: on social media at the cherry valentine um on instagram and tiktok and at the c valentine on twitter and somewhere else i think i've got <laughs> snapchat i don't really know <laughs> you could just i don't know if you're interested if you're interested you'll find me you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, until next time i'm joseph shepherd and that's the beautiful cherry valentine hopefully you can find her by searching on your social media just type in her name you know like take a picture of her from this interview maybe you can find her somewhere put her on a wanted ad you know you never know you never know, <laughs> maybe,
1: in the next five years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Cherry. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Please comment, like, subscribe, and do all of that good stuff. Uh, rate and review on your favorite podcast app, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed, Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard, that's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race, the dip with 2 pscom that's The Dip with TwoPiece.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, a Mary Kate and Ashley Olson podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself what you're all about.